The scripture reading for this evening's service is from John chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again to them and said, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to Jesus, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all, unless it had been given you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover, and it was about the sixth hour. And Pilate said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. And so he delivered Jesus over to them to be crucified. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this evening's message is from 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 8 through 12. Peter writes, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing." Because to this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is our text. Can any of us say that we have not hurt or been hurt by a cruel word or a harsh action? Unlike the nursery rhyme, we know that not only do sticks and stones break our bones, 
But words can also hurt us, and so do unkind actions. We've got the bruises and the scars and the memories and the broken bones to prove it. Sadly, congregations are not immune to hurtful actions and damaging words. I mean, let's state the obvious. The Christian church is populated with imperfect people. God's people are curved in on themselves, as Luther says. And consequently, we are inclined to seek our own self-interests, even if the pursuit of our happiness means ignoring or undermining or ridiculing or gossiping or uh, snubbing or ostracizing or slandering other followers of Jesus Christ. Many a Christian has uttered a cruel and insensitive remark that has wounded a brother and sister in Christ. Many congregations embroiled in interpersonal conflict have have imploded, and it's tragic. Christ's name and work are defamed, and in many cases, irreparable damage is done to that congregation and to a person's faith in Christ. It doesn't have to be this way. Tonight, St. Peter reminds us and urges us in the words that I just read to you, don't be afraid to do right. Doing right, living right, fosters harmony and cohesion in the family of God. How do we often respond when we are the object of someone's cruelty or the victim of an insult or a lie? Are we not tempted to return evil for evil and insult for insult? Such behavior is certainly pervasive in our society at large. But it actually creeps into the church as well, doesn't it? And that is why St. Peter says to the churches of his day, and he says to the churches of our day, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil for evil and insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. St. Peter, in that verse 8, identifies five normative characteristics that every Christian connected to Christ is to bear fruit with in their lives so that there is cohesion and harmony in the church. First he says, be like-minded. Paul puts it this way to the Romans. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position Do not be conceited. Why? Why should we be like-minded? Well, Paul says to the Philippians, conduct yourselves in a worthy manner of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or hear only about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith the gospel, that it may make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. You see, we are striving together for a purpose and a goal, 
And it's the same purpose and goal. It's not different from person to person, not when we're followers of Jesus Christ. The stated purpose and goal of our lives as God's people is to bring honor and glory to our Lord and Savior, to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're striving together as one for the faith of the gospel because what we want to see are people enriched and edified by the good news of Jesus Christ, both in our congregations and in our communities. And so we come together as one and we work together with our various gifts and abilities and, and, and we work together to bring honor and glory to Jesus. So we have unity of purpose. That's the like-mindedness that Peter speaks of in our text. But he also says that we are to be sympathetic. <coughs> Paul puts it this way. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. It's very tempting, isn't it? For us to look at the lives of other people and be quick to judge. And we've never walked in their flesh. We've never lived in their flesh. We don't know what's going on in their lives. St. Paul reminds us, Peter reminds us in our text tonight that we as God's people want to support one another. We want to be sympathetic towards one another. We want to understand. We want to listen. We want to hear what's going on in that person's life and not be quick to judge, but instead be quick to listen and to come alongside that person and support them in their walk of life. He says, love as brothers. Literally be brother lovers is how it's put in the Greek. Peter says, love one another deeply. That's what he says to the Christians of his day. He says it to us. Love one another deeply from the heart. Why? Because you've all been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And then Peter goes on in the epistle to talk about how we are the household of God, the family of of, the, of, the, of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can love one another and serve one another and be sympathetic and kind and caring to one another, like-minded with one another. And that's brotherly and sisterly love. But he also says be compassionate. That's the fourth thing. Be compassionate. I mean, Jesus Christ is the, is the epitome of this, isn't he? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Think of how Jesus was gentle and humble in heart. He was the shepherd who came to seek and save and, and serve the harassed and helpless sheep. That was how he shared compassion with those sheep. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He opened the eyes of the blind. He died on the cross. All of these are ways in which he showed the deep compassion that he has for us all. And we who live in the compassion of Christ now can share his compassion with one another through our words and our deeds as we look for ways to, to serve one another. When we see somebody hurting, we come alongside of them. When we see somebody in need, we help 
provide and supply their need. And we do so in humility. Fifth thing Peter identifies. Humility. Again, Jesus is the example of humility, isn't he? The example of humility. We heard about it in the epistle lesson for this past Sunday where St. Paul, right into the Philippians, said, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. I marvel at those words every time I read them. To think that God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would humble himself beneath me and you so that he might ultimately experience death for us. And Peter says, be of like mind. Humble yourself. You're here to serve other people, not to be served. Think less of yourself and more of others. And as you do so, you'll find that the congregation that you're in or your life will be more cohesive. There'll be unity. You'll be working together as partners in the gospel, striving towards accomplishing the same thing, and that is sharing the gospel of Christ with one another through your words and deeds and with the community in which you find yourself living. You see, doing right, living right, means that we strive to enrich the lives of other people even those who hurt and insult us. Again, Peter says in our text, do not repay evil with evil or insult for insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Now maybe you've heard this old tale. It's often told by pastors. It's a tale about a little boy who was inclined to spread rumors throughout his town. And his pastor finally pulled the little guy aside and he said to the little boy, he said, take this pillow and place a feather on the doorstep of each house in the city or in this town. And so that's what the little boy did. He went out into the town and he placed a feather from that pillow on the doorstep of every single home and then he came back and reported that he had completed the task that the pastor had given to him. And then the pastor looked at him and he said, Now, go back and pick up each feather and put it back in the pillow. Of course, the boy was, Are you kidding me? He was blown away. He said, they, They've all blown away. And so it is with what you say said the pastor. Our word once spoken can never be retrieved. Experience teaches us that the tongue, though it is just a small part of the body, is like a fire for it can corrupt a whole person and it can destroy. Gossip, slander, lies can ruin a person's name and tarnish his or her lifelong work. St. James writes, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men and women who have been made in God's likeness. 
Out of the same mouth can come praises and cursing. My brothers, this is not the way it's supposed to be. In other words, if James could stand in this pulpit, he might say in an abbreviated way, don't be afraid to do right. Jesus' enemies used their tongues against Jesus. They lied or misrepresented his words. Two scoundrels came forward falsely accusing Jesus of saying, this fellow said I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. As soldiers spat in Jesus' face and pummeled him with their fists, they jeered, prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? When they jammed a crown of thorns on his head and as the blood streamed into his eyes, they mocked Jesus saying, hail, king of the Jews. And as Jesus hung on that cross, his enemies used their mouths to ridicule and taunt him. He trusts in the Lord, they said. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. But in contrast to those who insulted and mocked and jeered him, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. What comes from our mouth? Blessings and curses. The tongue can be a fire, and so can tweeting, and Facebook posts, and email, and gossiping, and feeding the rumor mill in the narthex. And yet, don't we often try to justify or rationalize our gossip, our slander, our quarreling, our posts, our emails? Justifying it by saying, well, we're only trying to do that which is right. We're trying to speak the truth, after all. We're advocating for the truth. We're defending the truth. We're rising up against those that we're opposed to. But in the process, people created in God's image have their reputations damaged. And in some cases, their service to the Lord trashed. Our Lord warned If a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. And so I invite you to pray with me these words tonight. Words that I pray for myself. Forgive me, Jesus, for the times I've used my tongue, my tweets, my Facebook posts, my email, my chat room conversations, my gossip, to slander and to damage the reputation of others. Help me, Lord, to use my tongue to honor and praise you, to make known your name and your saving acts to others, to defend my neighbor, to speak well of him or her, and to explain everything in the kindest way. Amen. You see, the Lord has given us a marvelous message to proclaim and lips to proclaim it. As the psalmist says, my tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises all day long. And so we proclaim Christ's righteousness to one another as we gather in worship. We celebrate our forgiveness and resurrection victory in Christ as Paul encouraged us to do when he says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so instead of tearing one another down with hurtful words, St. Paul exhorts us to encourage one another, to be of one mind, to live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you, he says. 
He says, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. The writer to the Hebrews says, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so, yes, we are to use our tongue to worship the Lord, to encourage one another. And we're used to use our voices to tell others of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. St. Peter writes in just a couple verses after our text, he writes, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Do this with gentleness and respect. We've been called by God to receive blessings upon blessings. Peter reminds us in the epistle, throughout his epistle, he writes, In his great mercy our Heavenly Father has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a blessing to know that we have this living hope in Jesus Christ. He says, We have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a blessing to no no longer stumble around in the darkness, but to live in the light of Jesus Christ and his love and his mercy and forgiveness. St. Peter writes, the grace of God has called us to eternal glory in Christ. So even after we have suffered a little while, the Lord himself will restore us and make us strong and firm and steadfast. What a blessing from Christ that we have each and every day to know that he has called us to an eternal glory in Christ and he keeps us firm and steadfast until the very end. And as we are blessed by our Father, so we are then moved to invoke the blessing of God upon others, including those who insult us, who hurt us in some way. Peter actually writes, repay evil with blessing. Blessings. St. Paul adds, when we're cursed, we bless When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. You see, to bless even our enemies means to speak well of someone. And not just that friendly, you know, put on the face of, I'll I'll grin and bear it, I'll bear with you while you're in my presence. But it actually means not only to speak well of that person, but to pray and intercede on their behalf. Even as Stephen lay dying, he prayed for those who had stoned him, saying, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And so the Lord, too, encourages us that as we live in his blessings, that we would pray for those who might even insult us, who we might even consider to be, quote-unquote, an enemy, but we pray for God to work in their lives in such a way that they might know his love and mercy and grace, that they too might repent of their sin as we repent, and that living under the cross of Christ, that we might even be able to be reconciled to one another. That's what we pray for. And then we also strive and seek after peace with that person. You see, we really want to have peace with everyone, even those people who have hurt us deeply. 
The writer to the Hebrews says, make every effort to live in peace with all people and to be holy. And so that's what we do, living under the blessings of God's forgiveness as we strive to be peacemakers, to, to work in, and develop peace with those that we find difficult to be peaceful with. And left to our own doings, we wouldn't be able to do it. But when we live in the forgiveness of God and recognize the blessings he's given to us, we in turn can share those blessings with others and find it in our hearts to forgive other people around us. And as we do all of this, we experience cohesion. We experience harmony in the body or the family of God. We'll see that we have many good days because we have a whole lot less conflict as nemesis are made friends. The eyes of the Lord, Peter says, are on us, and his ears are attentive to our prayers. And instead of having his face turned against us, as Peter talks about in our text, he is inclined to have his face shine upon us, and he's inclined to be gracious to us. And so it's for these reasons and many more that St. Peter says to us tonight, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do right. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.